I think people totally are mis misanalyzing the situation this offseason because he's a franchise player. Yeah, it's not like he's a free agent. There's a whole mess of stuff to navigate because of that. I think he's in he's at a severe disadvantage to cash in under these circumstances of the tag where the Ravens can match. Welcome to Unexpected Points. I am your host, Kevin Cole. We have a great interview today. I'm going to be speaking with Mike Sando from The Athletic. He also hosts the Football GM podcast, which comes into the larger athletic football show feed every Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about the work he does in that podcast. We'll talk about his insights from the owner meetings that we just had in Arizona this new, I don't know if you want to call it a scandal, but a controversy going on with Arizona there and their ownership and former employees. Plus, we'll get in a lot into his QB tiers article, the methodology for that, that comes out every July. And I use that article and the data within and looking how front office personnel and coaches and others view different quarterbacks in relation to Lamar Jackson, who we talk about quite a bit, his situation, why it's a little bit more unique and not quite as simple as being a free agent or having two first round picks traded for a player because of the franchise tag and everything else that comes into play there. Uh, if you want to follow Mike, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, his handle is at Sando, S-A-N-D-O. NFL. And again, one of the most highly respected guys in the industry was an honor to have him on the show here. I hope you enjoy the interview. And if you're not already subscribed here, subscribe to the podcast. Also find my Substack, unexpectedpoints.substack.com, where I go over all of my different research. And as I mentioned, a pretty long, thorough article on Lamar Jackson, how he should be valued, the positives and the negatives. And there's some on each side of that versus public opinion on how I'm viewing him. And now let's get to Mike Sando. Welcome to the podcast, Mike Sando. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here. I mean, you're the first podcast. I do a lot of podcasts. I, you're the first guy in a pro football reference t-shirt. So I'm going to be ordering one as soon as we get off for the amount of time. Uh, whatever they charge, I should pay it for the amount of stuff that I've used from their site. So good for you. Yeah, I know. I, I, was, I was telling you before we got on, I feel the same for all the data that I've scraped off of there. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should just give them like a free promotion. Just put their, get a link, yeah. get a link in the show notes, ready to go. You can get your pro football reference gear. Yeah, also. absolutely. I, it'll be a hit, I'm sure, all around town here, you know, in my pro football reference shirt. So good to be here. Thanks for having me on. It was good seeing you uh, at the league meetings too. Or no, at the Combine. So yeah, at the Combine. combine. Haven't made the yeah. league meetings yet. We will talk about that. Yeah, it was good to see you at the yeah. Combine, too. It was funny. It was I, I was able to use my physical presence to mm-hmm. uh, motivate you to get a subscription to the Substack. So I did. I, I appreciate I did. that. I was thinking it. I, so you, 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 got my, you got my vibes that I was putting yeah. out there. Um, uh-huh. There. So I, so I appreciate that. And we always have – I feel like we talked once before at the Combine, too. And we have some pretty good conversations, but not too often. But it did remind me to the fact that I wanted to ask you – to come on here and you were you know willing to oblige and we also have some lamar jackson ish sort of stuff that i wanted to talk to you about because i love your qb tears article i know that's a july thing but it's also very relevant as a data point that now i'm using it going back and then you mentioned the league meetings i also want to talk to you about that because you were there i think it's maybe a little bit of an underplayed uh news cycle type of topic 
And the story here with the Cardinals and Bidwell, I think that's also like maybe a little bit underplayed news story topic. So yeah. why don't we get into the league meetings first? Maybe just sure. from a general perspective, because I, I haven't been, yeah. it's less well attended than something like the Combine. Sure. At the same time, you're getting some pretty good access to head coaches there, to GMs there, to ownership there, which I think may be like the piece of the puzzle that gets... I know either over or underplayed by people, depending upon the different team, just because we don't have that much access to them. We don't hear that much about their thoughts and feelings and opinions. And we don't really know how much they're influencing things. But what sort of feedback do you get from being there and seeing them in person? Yeah. So I agree with you. I think the owners are, are not held to account as they should be. Uh, We are so quick to criticize the coach or the GM because we don't really fully understand the impact the owner's having behind the scenes. Right. And I think if we zoomed out a little bit and like, I think I'm going to do this. I I've done this some for GMs, but I think I'm going to do an owner's thing where I just keep what, what their record is. You know, maybe you have a little ledger out there. This is your owner's, this is your record as an owner. And maybe here's the coaches you've hired, right? Things like that, because we really don't think about the owners enough. So the owners meetings are usually held in either Orlando or West Palm Beach or Arizona, nice warm places in spring. They usually, people from the league will start coming in maybe about Saturday and then by Tuesday night, Wednesday, they're out of there. But what's so different about it is that uh, it's only like owners, team presidents, a lot of salary cap people, uh, general managers and head coaches and their families. So that introduces a different dynamic. When you're at the combine, you might be out at a bar at eight o'clock at night and there's the offensive coordinator of the Colts is there or whatever. No problem. If you know them or, or you're with someone who knows them, you could have a good conversation, a little bit of a different setting when, um, they're pushing a stroller, right. Or, or they're, they're going to spend some time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit less formal, more relaxed with some formalized access. The formalized access is on two different mornings. They have half the league's head coaches sitting at a, at a table, meaning there's 16 tables for the AFC on, let's say, Monday morning at 8 a.m. And there's 10 seats at each table. If you media, you could go sit down for as long as you want with Sean McVay or whatever, or whoever, if it's the AFC, uh, Bill Belichick or whoever. And those are all on the record. Uh, uh, but I like that because it gives you a chance to just sort of observe the vibe, right? Like, like I was interested in Sean McVay just because of all the, you know, was he going to go to TV? What was, so I just stood there six feet away from Sean McVay for 15 minutes. It's just a good take an inventory, right? But if I was doing a story on, uh, you know, proposed rules change on the punt return, I could have gone to 16 tables and got, you know, quickly got my question in and had maybe something that was pretty decent. It was very funny during the AFC one. We'll get to Lamar Jackson a little bit later. Uh, but Lamar Jackson announced on Twitter that he'd requested a trade right as John Harbaugh had sat down at his table. Usually before John Harbaugh would speak to the media, they would have a session with his PR guy or whatever. They'd figure out, Hey, let's stay on this message, whatever. He just had to roll with that. And that was kind of fun um, and funny. Uh, but uh, that is the formalized part of it. Maybe a news conference or two with the commissioner or sometimes, uh, you know, maybe the PR director for the Falcons will say, hey, Arthur Blank will be available uh, if you're interested uh, on two, Tuesday at 2 p.m. But then there's just a whole bunch more of informal interactions where, 
you know, as a reporter, you know, these people, you respect the fact that they may be there with their families and it's not just the act. I take that into account. Like, I'm not just going to be like stalking people there, like popping up from around the corner. Hey, good to see you. You know, I think there's, there's some people who kind of do that and that's not how I would do it. Yeah. But at the same time, I've been doing this 25 years. I have a lot of contacts already. If you're trying to build contacts, you know, this is a rare opportunity to be there and see people. It's slow. It's you might feel like you're as a reporter, you're not quote unquote getting as much, right? But those informal interactions, uh, and just seeing people while you're sitting out by they had this outdoor kind of bar restaurant thing in Arizona, just sitting there. You know, people may just come by and talk for 30 seconds. For me, that's incredibly valuable because you do this year after year, you see people, you're just saying hello. It's just good to see people in person. It doesn't have to be an interview. You know, you don't have to be asking them about even football stuff. Talk to people, learn about their families, you know, those sorts of things. For me, it wouldn't be like the it wouldn't be enough on its own, but it's just a piece of the calendar year of things that have value. No, I, I'm interested in like these informal sort of meetings. I know at the combine, there were a number of GMs and head coaches who are scheduled to speak. And then I've talked to some beat reporter types where they have like a another little session, maybe with a few people who are in the beat, you know, beat reporters for that particular team. Obviously, we're talking about. I assume mostly on the record stuff. I don't know how it works here. I mean, you're you're a you're a big J journalist. Let's put we'll put you in that category as opposed to like <laughs> the the substackers, the bloggers, the tweeters, the other people who may be there. You know, and when you have these informal conversations, is there like an understanding that this is like background type of information? Um, maybe even especially at the combat where you're talking about those conversations at the bar. I could think famously yeah. a conversation that Sean Payton had with Evan Silva. And anyone who knows this conversation, he repeated it over and over again. Things that he was talking about with players where I'm not sure if you would like reveal the same sort of thing if you were hearing it from from Sean yeah. Payton at the bar. Correct. So I think that's on an individual basis. I think the people that are there, the coaches or the general managers must take into account who they're speaking with and what their relationship is with that person. Right. I'm, I have, I totally understand, uh, which by the way, I don't buy your distinction between the big J and the little J. I think there's a lot of (laughs) great people. That's what all big J's. You know, they're big J's. They don't buy that. Uh, They don't buy that. Yeah. Well, but I, but I do think, um, you know, in the role that I'm in now is different than when I was on a beat. I think it's, I think uh, one of the things I advise of any reporter is always play the long game. What I mean by that is that one thing you find out at the bar. I mean, if you go, go with that or put it out in the next five minutes, I mean, whoa, you know, mm-hmm. right. It would be kind of yeah. like if we, if you and I off the camera had a conversation and you just happened to mention some plans you had for your sub stack. Mm-hmm. And then I just, tweeted a reference to it i mean you'd be like oh you know that's not really a breach of confidence but that's not really what i was intending right so yeah. for, for for me the more times you can you know people have to know you can have a conversation with them in that setting right now sometimes you have to be on the record hey look i want to get you you know i'm doing a story on this uh you know that's that you need it but um i think you start getting into you know no one's going to want to talk to you if everything Every time you're having a drink with somebody and they, 
you can find out a lot of things and get a feel for things that really help you do a good job. Um, but if you just ran with it right then and put a headline on it, you know, then no one would want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the type of, a lot of the type of work that you're doing, whether it's the QB tiers articles that we're talking about or these larger NFL issues, like the proportion of information that you're getting, which is not the on the record, like I'm going to put the quote out to make a splash sort of thing is much, much higher than it may be for someone else. Who's just, you know, looking for retweets or, or something like that. Oh, it's oh sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that, that breakfast thing I was talking about or the, where they had the 16 tables for you know, one day with the AFC and NFC, that's all, that's all fair game. You go ask anybody yes. what you want. And if they happen to say something, you just use it. And that stuff's good stuff. Sometimes. I mean, you, you, you can get a feel for what a coach says about a player, right. Or Bill Belichick's talking about Mac Jones or Robert Kraft was speaking. I mean, those were on the record conversations that shed light that helped people, right? And so that's a huge component of these things, but um, that's a little bit less of what I do um, uh, in the role that I'm in now. And I've been a beat reporter for, I was a beat reporter on covering the Seahawks for nine years. I covered the NFC West for ESPN for probably five years, uh, where you really do have to produce a lot of content every day. Um, whereas now it's a little bit more, hey, I'm working on some projects, I can have conversations with people um, that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, an interview for a story tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we also had some conversations in the Combine about this kind of like bad feedback that comes from social media sometimes that that ends up sure. leading into people's reporting and can can end up being a, a little bit of a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit more about these meetings when it comes to ownership. And I mentioned the... The story with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, we'll start to get to, to get into that a little bit too, because I think that that flew under the radar. Um, well, let's just talk Cardinals now. So I, yeah. I, I'll admit that I did not, it did not really hit me in a way where I really thought about it that much. But then I started to read into more of the details of what went on here. I know that you wrote about it, what went on with uh, Terry McDonough there, and every and, and the accusations back and forth. And maybe we're just all a little. I don't know. We're all like inured to some of this ownership stuff because like Dan Snyder has set such a high bar for, for being outraged sure. and ownership stuff. But I don't know. I was kind of shocked when I started to look into it more. And when you look back at what's happened with Steve Kime in the past and some other things there, like all this stuff that's going on at, at Arizona. Oh yeah. And I think Arizona is one of those teams that doesn't get covered as much as a uh, Patriots or, or whatever, just because of the market, right? It's a market where you have a lot of people who aren't from Arizona. It's not like, the Vikings and are to Minnesota. So I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team that just doesn't get as much intense coverage. People aren't as familiar, aren't paying as close of attention, but uh, this is a really potentially consequential situation, I think, because it ties into the Steve Wilkes, Brian Flores deal for mm -hmm. me. Right. Uh, so basically to, to just reset, Terry McDonough was a, uh, high ranking as high as number two underneath the general manager uh, in Arizona from 2014 until 2000, I think 18. And then he had a series of demo demotions, 2019, 2021. Now he's out. And so uh, Terry McDonough filed a complaint with the league uh, office requesting arbitration uh, in which he accused Mike Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, of authorizing a scheme whereby during 
suspended general manager Steve Kimes five-week suspension in 2018. Other executives could communicate with him uh, illicitly using burner phones, uh, which is amazing, like right? So We're talking about the wire yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, totally. I was picturing like Saul Goodman with his storefront with all those, uh, those burner phones that he was selling. Uh, but so... Then Mike Bidwell came out and said, no, actually, there was a burner phone thing going on once, or the Cardinal said, once once Bidwell found out about it, then he put a stop to it. So there's a different spin on that. But right. Via via uh, the P- PR firm. It was a lawyer or a PR firm? I can't remember. It might have been a PR firm. Oh, yeah. they they So this outside PR firm, I, there was a story. Uh, and I, I think, was the guy's name Jim McCarthy? Was that, does that sound Something familiar? like that, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Someone wrote a piece about him. He apparently does like kind of, uh, a little bit of attack dog inside the beltway type PR, like real aggressive PR. And they put out a statement on Terry McDonough that just obliterated him. Not just I mean, as it an was employee. Insane. It was they insane. They attacked him as a man, as a husband, as a father. Uh, with some quote, stuff extreme was... domestic violence. It wasn't even like they, they found out things yeah. about domestic violence and not even really detailing what it was. Not that they necessarily want to or had to but you don't just throw around extreme domestic violence I, with no nothing backing it right I, I thought it was unbelievable and i i really think it was like hey wait a minute based so, so bill so terry mcdonough accused the cardinals of retaliating against him for refusing to do the burner phone thing so that was the gist of this that hey he and wilkes too so wilkes yeah, yeah. presumably has might have knowledge of this also Right. So, so McDonough is saying, Hey, I said, I wouldn't do this. And Steve Wilkes said, we wouldn't do this with the burner phone. And after I said that, after that happened, Steve was fired after one year. He doesn't say explicitly it was because of that. Right. And then, um, Terry McDonough was demoted, uh, after that he claims because he wouldn't do the burner phone thing, which the, the Cardinals dispute. But what is so interesting about this to me is the parallel with uh, the Miami Dolphins situation with Brian Flores, because if you think about why he says he was fired, he wouldn't go along with an illicit scheme to tank and he wouldn't go along with the illicit plan to accidentally bump into Tom Brady at the Marina so they could have a conversation. Remember? So allegedly Tom Brady, allegedly Tom Brady. <laughs> well, it was reported, but, but basically the idea was that, Hey, uh, Flores would not do unethical things and paid a price. Okay. Yes. So, now you have Terry McDonough kind of saying the same thing. We were asked to do unethical things by the owner and refused. Well, they just eviscerated Terry McDonough with his statement to try to hurt his credibility. But if Steve Wilkes concurs or confirms that either directly to the commissioner or publicly or in some other way, I think it gives what Terry McDonough is saying additional credence. I don't think there's anyone putting out a, a, a report on questioning Steve Wilkes's character like that. Right. So, yeah. Uh, even though Wilkes, who is he is suing the Cardinals, he's obviously not unbiased in this thing, but I think he's a credible uh, witness. And so I, that's where I think it could get interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, with, with Kime, generally, there were some issues with uh, DUI, and then that was part of the suspension that we're talking about here, why they needed the burner phones. And then he, maybe, I, maybe I'm just not up to it, but he somewhat mysteriously just stepped away after yeah, at, at this yeah. point. Is there, was there anything else about that as part of this story? Why he just well, appeared? Well, they, they said the Cardinals at the time, he was taking a medical leave of absence right. and he had, he had had the extreme DUI. Right. So, yeah. uh, and in Terry McDonough's complaint, he also said that there was, he had gone to Steve Kime to 
to raise questions about his excessive drinking, according to Terry McDennis. So, so when Kaim went to the medical leave, when it didn't say, you know, people assumed, okay, is he going to an alcohol rehab type facility? That was never reported or confirmed. Uh, but then shortly after that, that would have been in December of 2022. Then in January, I believe they announced that he had left the team, you know, permanently. And then they hired a new GM, Monty Austinford. But when you look at the history here, so, so Kime had the extreme DUI. Uh, their chief operating officer at the time had a DUI and since left the company. Um, they have Steve Wilkes, their head coach, who is suing them. They have their former number two in Terry McDonough, who's filing for arbitration, accusing of unethical stuff. And then I think, this one pointed this out to me, I think you could include this. Uh, when they did the contract with Kyler Murray, they put in that embarrassing language, include you know, basically saying, "Hey, you have to do your homework," knowing full well, uh, Kevin. The minute a major contract like that is filed, every agent in the league goes, you know, who has a quarterback or whatever, goes and looks at it. They want to see, "Hey, what did Kyler get?" Right? Because uh, because it'll be reported, but that's not always the exact final thing. So they had to know that people around the league are going to look at Kyler Murray's contract and see the fact that this clause was in there and it was going to get out. Um, I don't know if you would call that retaliatory, but certainly has reflected poorly on Kyler and fed a narrative about him that he's going to have a really hard time um, getting past whether it's true or not. Yeah. Yeah. It became fodder for a while there on, on social media. And then in addition to that, I, I kind of it popped back into my brain. I'd forgotten about it for a while, but they also had their, uh, Sean, I guess it's Kugler. I don't know how you pronounce his last oh, name. Oh, yeah, the offensive line coach, yeah. Yeah, so he had some incident down in Mexico City uh, accused of inappropriately touching a woman in Mexico City before, uh, before, before a game that they had there, and then he was fired there too. So, yeah, we're talking about yeah. a long then, trail here. And then he denied it, and not only that, then somebody on his behalf was an attorney on the very day that Kaim took the leave or was leaving, there was, Kaim was in the news, he put out a thing saying, uh, denying that Kugler was involved in this and saying it could be a, implying it could be a case of mistaken identity. Then people were posting photos of Kugler and Kine because they're both kind of bigger game. guys. Or, kind of I mean, <laughs> which could be totally inappropriate. It could have totally been Kugler. But at this point, what do you believe? It just feels like uh, I was joking you know, the other day. I, I guess I wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to be fired by anybody, but I guess especially you wouldn't want to be fired by the Cardinals because it seems to be a, a <laughs> that's messy what, thing. That's what it seems like. Um, yeah. Well, I guess maybe this goes back point to the larger point about ownership. And when we're talking about like major decisions, maybe people don't appreciate major things that are happening. And I think a burner phone being supplied to different people is probably falls in this category, but I'm just not sure. Like if it, more often than not, like the, they have their finger on the scale in a pretty large way when it comes to, you know, drafting a particular quarterback, when it comes to yeah. signing Deshaun Watson, even though Jimmy Haslam tried to pawn it off on the front office and, you know, even through his, his, his daughters under the bus saying that they, they, they approved of it and things like that. Like they have their finger scale on a lot on the finger on the scale. A lot of these things, I, I guess I just have trouble seeing a lot of this stuff going on without their approval when a lot of these people are only in the positions they're in because they're in the favor of the ownership in the first place. Yeah, so like why it's you could think this way. Why why would an underling risk the ire of the owner by doing this, knowing that it's probably going to get back to the owner? He, he this isn't an owner who's this is an owner who's there, right? He, he lives yeah. there. He's in the I building. Mean, everyone's so. trying to get in the favor of the owner. I mean, eventually that's why all the coaches and GMs they both are just yeah. pleading to the owner why the other guy should be fired when things go wrong. Yeah. I mean, everything gets back to the owner eventually. That's how it's incentivized. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's just more, you know, obviously the Cardinals put a lot out there. There's uh, This is obviously personal because, yeah. uh, so you have to take, I wouldn't say grain of salt, but you have to weigh that in your mind is that, hey, uh, you know, Terry McDonough could be really mad here and really trying to go get the most dirtiest stuff out there. And obviously the Cardinals are doing the same. So, you know, is it all, is it 80% true? Is it a hundred percent true? Is one side totally right? Hard to know, but um, the consequences, I think, like I, I do, you know, podcast every week with Randy Mueller, former yeah. GM. And he was, I asked him on our podcast that posted today, like, how big of a deal would it be for you as the GM to be banned from communicating with your team or anybody from, I think it was like late July to late August. And he, mm -hmm. and he was like, it'd be fatal. Like, what, what could I, you know, you're doing things every day with your roster and you're going to reduce the roster and you, you're, you're signing different guys. Uh, it would be really difficult. So you could see why you'd want to have be in touch with, uh, with your GM. Yeah, no, no, I can definitely see that just strange, strange uh, story coming out there, which probably more to come for. And I, I don't know if the tide has turned here, but what we saw with Richardson, um, the ownership in the Panthers, yeah. we've seen with Snyder, like, I don't think Snyder's selling if it's not for all of these scandals and pressures and other stuff. I could oh, be yeah. wrong, but, but I don't think that happens. You don't know. Maybe the threshold for you know, what can force out an owner is moving down a little bit, especially when you have these like really big moneyed interests coming in in ownership now. And they're, they're like, you know, Rob, Rob Walton's of the world are like, can we get the Bidwells out of here and bring in another one of my billionaire friends to be the ownership now? Yeah. The downside of the league, think of this. If Mike Bidwell was forced to sell the team and let's just say they're not the Washington franchise, but that's $5 billion fee to the league, right? Or it's $5 yeah. billion. I mean, obviously it's going to, it's, uh, it's not all five billion is going to the league, but but because Bidwell is going to get money <laughs> for yeah. selling the team, but the league's going to make a lot of money off of a transaction like that, and then have a much wealthier partner because Bidwell's family's been in a, a hundred years or longer. There, this is where they derive their wealth largely, right? These other yeah. people that are coming in now got it any other number of ways. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's an, also an interesting angle is. You know, as as it starts happening and these franchises get turned over, it can kind of uh, start happening a little bit more often going forward. Despite the fact that a lot of these guys have been able to last a long time in the NFL, because it's like it's impossible to lose money in the NFL um, as opposed to some some other sports that are out there. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Lamar Jackson. I want to talk about this in reference because I wrote a piece on him. One of the points that I brought up in there, thanks to you uh, having some detailed information on the quarterback tiering that was going oh, yeah. on with Lamar in the past. But I think just generally you talked about building these relationships and this is very much a it's a survey, but it's also you have to have like well, you, you detailed that the people who are being surveyed here. And we're talking about head coaches. We're talking about general managers, in addition to some some of the third or second or third tier sorts of people in the NFL in the NFL. Like, how do you kind of develop that sort of relationship with these guys that, you know, you can get honest yeah. and and good feedback from them and that sort of trust in that relationship, too? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just over time of, you know, I've learned so much from so many people in the league about uh football and quarterback play, I think, um, you know, I come, I, I enter into relationships with people really trying to learn, not acting like I have the answers. You know, I think when I was first starting out doing this, I relied disproportionately on the data because it's what I could understand. And then what, I, what I've learned is that's a piece of it, but there's a whole other world of, uh, of the way the league thinks about things. And so, you know, a lot of my relationships with people, like I, I do a lot of research as, uh, you know, and I, 
I share that with people in the league just for conversations and uh, and to help myself get better. And sometimes I'll put together things that I, that I think are interesting for whatever team they're doing, uh, th- things like that. And so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, I don't know if the word's collaboration. Everybody, this was a kind of free a, version you know, of a paid subscriber podcast at unexpectedpoints.substack.com including all of my premium work here. We're talking about four or five articles a week. Please sign up at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. And if you cannot afford a subscription at this point, let me know. Either shoot me an email at unexpectedpts at gmail.com, send me a note or leave a comment on the Substack, or hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore. Let me know that you're experiencing some you know, financial hardship at this point. I will give you a no questions asked six-month subscription to the pod. You can get these premium podcasts and all of my other premium content. Thank you so much for listening.